are listening to the Small Biz Chat Podcast, Episode 9. Today we're talking to entrepreneur Lisa McQueen about how to convert even more prospects with process and true personalization. So, let's get started. I'm Arielle Hurst. Welcome to the Small Biz Chat Podcast. If this is your first time listening, thanks for stopping by. The Small Biz Chat Podcast is sponsored by PureChat, the live chat software for small business and produced for business owners who want to hear some real concrete ways to improve their businesses in less than an hour. Once again, the Small Biz Chat is with entrepreneur Lisa McQueen. Lisa has started an incredibly successful commercial cleaning company with her husband Hamish, and now she's helping other cleaning businesses achieve success with her new company, Cleaning Marketer. But as great as things are today, Lisa's entrepreneurial journey was an uphill climb. I still remember the first time I heard her story because it was genuinely impactful, and I'm so inspired by everything she and her husband have built. One of the things that has helped Clean Corp get to where it is today is the way that they've personalized the selling process. And no, I'm not talking about emails that say, hi, first name. I'm talking about true personalization that uses dozens of touch points to target prospects with the right message at the right time. So if you're ready to learn how you can harness the power of personalization and process in your business, stay tuned for my conversation with Lisa McQueen. I actually have seen you speak at at Icon as well. Uh, your presentation with your husband was amazing, I thought. I thought it was really touching to hear your story and how you guys overcame a lot, in my opinion, to create such a successful business. And I'd love it if you would share that story with our listeners today. So, so what happened was that um, I was working in sales and marketing and my husband had, had you know, he was working as a carpenter and pretty much his business was it was really up and down like there was never any we there was never any spare cash we you know we were just making ends meet and then we got to a point um you know we we had three really tiny children and we got to boxing day and we realized that we had absolutely no money we'd overspent on gifts for the kids gifts for the family and what have you and we, I guess I, I guess because we just had so much going on, we didn't really we didn't realize. So we had no money in our bank account at all, no money on our credit cards because we'd spent it all on buying gifts. Um, there was just nothing, nothing left, and we just we we were we were just gutted because we worked really hard, and you know even with the kids, I was working full time, and and Hamish was working hard, and I, he, look, he said to me, look, let's just go down to the beach, and just just relax. Something will come to us. Something will, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. Let's just go, go down there and have an hour in the, you know, at the beach. So we did that. And I stayed and, and, you know, I had the girls with me and Hamish went out for a swim. And then really quickly, he came back in from the surf and he had this great big smile on his face. And, and I was sitting on the sand thinking, what is he smiling about? Um, we're broke, and you know why is why does he look so happy? That's that's what was going on in my mind. And he walked up to me, and he put his hand out like you know like this in front of me, and he said, "Look what I found." And in his hand was a ten dollar and a five dollar bill, just all crunched up. I mean, for us, <laughs> it, it wasn't going to save us by any means, 
but it was kind of a sign and I and I think that we had it, we had felt really down about our circumstances, and we we are you know we considered ourselves to be quite responsible people, but to find yourself with nothing, no money, and three young kids, and not wanting to ask your family for help, and then that happening, I, that was kind of it was an epiphany moment for us. It was just it was so pivotal, and that's you know that's why I shared that story at Icon. Because I felt like that was the start. That was when we decided, okay, we have to make some really foundational changes to not only our lives but how we think. And, um, and that's where that whole process started for us. And after that, we needed to have our own business so that we could be the masters of our own destiny. Um, I, I had been working for you know a big corporate. Hamish was working for himself but it was – it, it just it just wasn't a good business model. So very, very quickly after that, we started to look for, okay, what can we do? What can we do to move us forward financially? And what kind of business would that look like? When um, Hamish's brother said to him, you know, I manage a few real estate properties. Would you like to clean at night so you can, you know, have your day job and work at night? And, you know, just it's the same story that millions of other young families have to do and um, so he started to do that and within about the first month he realized that this was a really good business model the cleaning industry was a really good business model because it was ongoing monthly income and that's that's when that's when he started clean call that's awesome that's so exciting and one of the things that I love because I do know a little bit more about clean corp is that you guys have really added a personal touch. I feel like cleaning is something that people completely take for granted. I think one of the things I've heard you say is a clean bathroom is a clean bathroom. And the fact that you were able to make that a unique experience is really remarkable to me. Can you share how you guys have done that at Clean Corp? Yeah. We, what we've, I mean, cleaning is one of those commodity-based services. People go, okay, what's the cheapest price? Let's go that way. And, and so um, we wanted to just completely disrupt that way of thinking. And, and, and I think that in this day and age, people want more. They want more out of everything that they get. But nobody wakes up in the morning and says, hey, I want to I buy a cleaning contract. And so we knew that we, would, we, would deal, we were dealing with a different mindset, if you like. Our buyers have, you know, we wanted to, we wanted to understand what the discussion was in their mind when they were looking at buying um, cleaning services. So we started to really pull that apart and, and unravel that whole process. And that, look, that took time. But really where we started to make some massive inroads was as soon as we got personal, as soon as we we started to put not the company forward, so not Clancorp, um, we started to put the people of Clancorp forward and show our prospects and our clients what those people looked like um, because quite often, especially when you're talking about in the cleaning service business, you don't even see your cleaners. You don't know who they are. You've got no idea who they are. So if you come into your office in the morning and someone's forgotten your bin or, or to empty your bin, immediately, immediately people go, oh, let's just get rid of those cleaners and get someone else. So what we wanted to do was personalise that experience so that people would understand that if they were just getting rid of someone, that actually was taking that person's job away. And that's a big paradigm shift. That's, that's you know, when people start to consider that. So we, we tried to humanise all the elements of Clean Corp in as much as 
um, sending messages from the cleaner to the customer. Um, letting the customer in on who the cleaner was, and um, you know, the card campaign is is one of the campaigns that's been super successful for us. So we send we use send out cards, and we send out those cards with photos of the cleaner, and the photo is of them just in their everyday life, where they're, um, you know, they might be on holidays with the family or down at the beach with the kids or whatever it might be, but not in their uniforms, and showing who they are and then in the card it talks about the things that they like to do and um, their family and that type of thing so so really pulling that connection in and making that connection and um, and and showing people that there is a person that comes into their office each evening (laughs) and there is a person um, that they're dealing with so we didn't want to be a company we wanted you know we were very much of the opinion that People buy from people, and um, and so we wanted to be that company where they could see the people that we were. I love that. And you talk about getting into the mind of your sort of the person who's buying cleaning services, which, like you said, no one necessarily wakes up thinking about that they want to buy a cleaning contract. How did you get inside your buyer's head? Because I know that a big goal for a lot of businesses is trying to come up with personas. Is that one of the techniques you used in order to do that? Definitely. And and I can what I can share is that it it's not something that you can do straight away. I think that takes a lot of insight and a lot of um, you know, you have to keep looking at who it is that you're serving and then asking the questions and finding out what what is the discussion that they're going through? What is it that they're looking for and how can you serve that and how can you solve that? So for us we started by looking at the customers that we already had and then we, we we looked at all of the attributes that they had, the ones that paid us on time. Obviously, they went up to the top of the list. Definitely. <laughs> the, ones, the ones who would refer us, the ones who would give us testimonials, the ones who were understanding if something didn't quite go the way it was supposed to. We, we started to look at those attributes and find, okay, so what we know for sure is that the people that are attracted to us are these people. And so we had those attributes. And so when we were doing, when we were talking to those people, we knew what they wanted. And then it was a matter of finding the voice that would correspond with those people. And that was there was a lot of trial and error there. There's a lot. I could make a blooper reel a mile long with um, with you know, emails and messaging that went out that really didn't hit our target market and the results weren't great. But also on the flip side of that, now that we know exactly who our ideal market is, we can talk talk to them very, very clearly and they're the people that are continuously attracted to us as a business because we've got the messaging right. Yeah, absolutely. So your background is in sales and marketing, like you said, at a big corporate company. What is what have been some of the differences between owning your own business where you are driving all of the marketing and what you were doing before? Are there any things that you've noticed that were really starkly different? Oh, very much so. Um, I came from you know a huge multinational corporate, and so with that, there's all of the systems and processes in place that huge multinational corporates have, and the I guess the luxury that um, that 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 sector of the market also has is that they can have a lot of different people doing a lot of different tasks. On the flip side, when you're in a small business yourself and, you know, you're hustling and you're, you, you're trying to build your business, you don't have that luxury because you 
more often than not don't have the, the cash flow to support that. So you have to become very versatile. And I, and I think you have to become an avid scholar of everything that you need to know, whether you, <laughs> whether you know it or not. Um, I mean, I'm, I, I think that I have read more books on business since I became a small business owner than I've ever read in my life. And I've you know, taken a myriad of courses, gone to con conferences in order to grow my knowledge base. And I, I think that when you're in a corporate situation, that's not necessarily um, a requirement. But when you're in the small business situation, it definitely is a requirement. You need to, you need to constantly be upping your game and shortening your learning curve. So um, it, it's, it, you know, it, it's trying to get that balance right, if you like, of, of doing both of those things and all the while still running the business day to day. So it is, you know, I, I, I say so often to my team, you have to hustle and you have to hustle all day, every day, every time, because that's, you know, business is 10% production and 90% marketing. And once you understand that, I mean, that that is what business is. I, if you're not marketing your business, then um, things will just dry up. They will grind to a halt. So it's all about getting the marketing out there and then the production, um, that will take care of itself too. So, yeah, that's how we look at it. Definitely. I love that. I like the hustling all day on everything. It's definitely true. Uh, Pure Chat is a startup and it's very much the same way around here. So I relate to that feeling a ton investing so much time and trying to learn everything in the shortest amount of time possible. It does result in a lot of trial and error, but I think that's one of the things that's so cool about it and yeah, allows you to come up with some more creative ideas, I think, than larger companies are able to create. Yeah, exactly. Because you, you really do have to be, you know, you have to be on your dime all the time. You have to be thinking outside the square. And certainly if you're creating um, something from scratch, if you really, if you're a pure startup, then you are going to be in a situation where you have to learn a lot in a very short period of time. And, and not only learn it, because anyone can learn something, you actually have to apply it. And that can be that can be something that holds people back sometimes. They learn it, but then they maybe don't know how to apply it or they don't know where to apply it. So, I mean, we are so fortunate in this day and age that we have the internet and all the cool resources out there that we could just type in a, you know, a Google search and, and something will pop up to answer our questions. The, the thing is to, to figure out, okay, so where can I use that in my business? Where can I get you know, the highest um, impact with that, the highest return on my investment so that it's been A, worth my time and B, worth my money? How to implement things you're right is absolutely a struggle. And I think it's so easy to read the wealth of data that's online and say, oh, we should be all doing all of this. And then you kind of get paralyzed by how much is going on. Plus, I think the internet sells you so many best practices because there are so many quote unquote experts out there. And I'm wondering for you, are there any uh, best practices that you've read that you've just found like that wasn't true or you tried to implement it in the totally wrong way when you first tried it? <laughs> yes, there are. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm very sad to say that there are. There are so many best practices that I've tried that um, particularly around copywriting, particularly in that area and blog posting, I've found that there are there are thousands of people out there who are quote unquote experts in that area. But in reality, 
when you implement what they tell you, it often falls quite short of what the claims are. And that's why I, I think it's really important to do due diligence on who it is. But also it's important to be working with someone that you connect with. I, I feel like as I'm, I'm very much a people person, so um, I need to. I, I actually need to connect with people in order to work with them, and I find that I get my best results and I do my best work when that's what my objective is. So I'm, uh, you know, when you when you're looking at the, all of those people out there, all of those so-called experts, if there's something that they're talking about that's kind of jarring with you or not gelling with you, then I think you just need to keep looking and um, and and make sure that you you find that person who really gets and understands what it is that you're trying to do. And they may not necessarily be in your own industry. I have learned so much from people who have, I mean, zero to do with cleaning. In fact, most people have zero to do with cleaning um, in the sales and marketing space. But the the lessons that you can learn, you can just pull little bits and pieces out of it. And I heard this great quote by um, Grant Cardone a few years ago, and he said, "I don't read a book to to get to get knowledge. I read a book to get one idea. If I get one idea out of one book, that's a bestseller to me." And I think that that's really important to understand. I've read so many books, and there might be just one thing. And that one thing has been instrumental in being able to get us to move the needle further and 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 push a, push a bit harder or or get a better result. So yeah, reading and educating yourself super important. Yeah, definitely. And I know one of the things one of the things that you guys pride yourself on is creating systems and processes. You said when you're working at a large company that those systems and processes are already in place. But now you've had to create all of your own, and you guys have been very successful doing that. And I would love to uh, hear how did you come up with some of those processes, and what are the ones that have been most important for your business? Yeah, well, the the systems and processes that that we came up with it started it started when um, when I started with Clean Corp, and I walked into the business day one. And I realized very quickly that there there was not one system or one process for anything. Absolutely everything that we did in Clean Corp was a manual, manual process, cut and pasting, you would, everything. And I, so I knew that I needed to start there. And so I, I, I started with Infusionsoft. I mean, that's a whole other story. And once I did that, I did one little campaign and I was really scared to even put that campaign together because it was so outside of my, my knowledge base. It was so outside of my comfort zone. But I did it. And it's immediately we started to see some results. And I thought, okay, well, if that, you know, really crappy little campaign can work, then if I put some real effort in, maybe I'll get even better results. And so it was a process of um, a lot of trial and error. And, and then I, I, again, I just started to study what it was that our clients were doing. And um, there's a couple of uh, campaigns that we have that are super successful. So one of them is where, we know that every time we get a new prospect, they pretty much go through exactly the same process. They all do the same thing. And I thought, okay, well, how can we how can we make that engage that initial engagement with us more impactful? So I set about building this campaign that was really focused on the client and uh, the prospect rather, and really talking to them. So 
when they come through our website, they then, if they filled out the, the call to action, they go to our thank you page. I put a nice video of Hamish, my husband, on that thank you page because I wanted them to see him. And because we, we know that when we're going to do a quote, about five other companies are also going to be quoting. So our objective became how can we be remembered, how can we stand out, how can we look different. So the video was the first thing. Everyone does that, so nothing special there, right? But then after the video, then we would send an email to confirm, sorry, then we would make a phone call to book a time. Then we would send an email with um, uh, just to confirm the time and there'd be a photo of Hamish in that email. After that, um, another email would go out completely unbranded. So we'd just drop all the branding and I made that one look like um, we'd sent it from his iPad. So I set it all up to look. So someone would think he'd, he'd just typed it all in and it just said, hey, I thought before our meeting, I thought you might like to know what our other um, clients think of us and I put a nice testimonial in there. So they've seen him twice, they've heard from him, they've received something really informal and, um, you know, um, light touches, really light touches. And, um, and then the day of the appointment, there would be another email again this one would just look like it had came, come from his um, phone, sent from my iPhone. I'll be there in 15 minutes. And then he'd walk through the door. People would know him. They, he would be familiar because they'd heard his voice. They'd seen him multiple times. They'd heard from him. So it was all of those little connections. And then after the, after the appointment, he'd send them a text message. And the text message would be just, hey, thanks so much. It was so awesome, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'll get your quote over to you shortly. So that campaign helps us close a lot more deals and stand out just because it's, you know, it really is, a, uh, it sets the pace. I think that's the thing. That one sets the pace. And then we have a, a lot of other campaigns like the, um, the prospect re-engagement. So if we don't get a job, and someone chooses another cleaning company, uh, and this works really well in, in our space because we're sort of in the commercial industry, we know that they will have signed up with that other company for 12 months. So we have them on this whole prospect re-engagement that essentially it sends them three, three touch points. So the first one is after three months, hey, hope it's all going well. Um, if it's not, we'd love to talk, you know, that, that kind of thing. At six months, the same thing and we make them an offer. Normally, we don't get much uptake for three to six months. Not much happens there. But then at 11 months, we remind them that their contract's about to expire and we give them a copy of the quote that we did for them originally. We honour that rate. We give them um, a big um, offer, like a, a $600 offer. And if they're not happy with the cleaning company that they current that they took over us, they jump. And we we get about fifteen percent of our lost prospects back inside of twelve months. So that's a that's a really cool one that we use. That's amazing, and I think there are a couple of takeaways from what you just said. One of them is that the first two emails that you send, three and six months, you're not you're not seeing a ton out of that. Which I think for a lot of us, we're kind of like clearly this isn't working, but those little touches are what add up to people converting on the 11-month email. So that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that that is something that a lot of people, um, they feel like if they don't get 
if they don't get what they want immediately, then yeah, it's not working. And I would argue that all day long. Um, we have had many, many, many more clients than I can remember who were prospects who took 12 months to make a decision. So it's, it's worthwhile. Yeah, definitely. And well, and one of the other things is it's so personalized. Personalized is like the ultimate buzzword, I feel like, in marketing because there's so many ways to create personalization. But I think a lot of times businesses come at it from a marketer's standpoint or a salesperson's standpoint, which is, oh, if it has their name in it, that means it's personalized. Or if it's sent with a certain tr trigger, that's personalized. But I think those little details like you know their contract is about to expire or sent from my iPhone, for example. All of those things make it feel like a real human connection, which like you said, is what people want today. Yeah, that's right. And these days there are so many autoresponder emails that go out and people are, people are wise to it. They know. So if you can use any um, anything in your arsenal to, to make it look different and make it look not like it comes from an autoresponder, that counts. It really counts. And uh, we, we know that for sure. So, you know, th those little tips, those little ideas are things that really do have to cut through. And the, and the other thing that we love right now, we're really loving it, is direct mail. We're loving it because, again, nobody else is doing that, it's, um, especially in our space. So it's, it's, a way, it's a great way for us to keep in contact with people that we have maybe lost, not lost contact with, but they might be a really um, cold lead, like more than 12 months. So we just keep in touch with them with the newsletter and, and that way we're keeping our name in front of them and, and adding value to their life. You know, we're trying to put information out there that's useful. But I think some of the older methods of marketing are, are really very, very um, effective, but people are scared of them because they say, oh, well, that's old, that's old fashioned. I'm only going to do it this way. But I would, I would really suggest that you, you know, maybe open it up and look at all the different modalities that you can have with marketing and figure out which one, which one nobody's using and then try that. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic suggestion. I mean, when most of us think of junk mail today, we're thinking of our inbox, not our actual mailbox. So I think that's a really <laughs> good one to tap into in particular. One of the things that was on your website, you have a video on your uh, cleaning marketer website, which is one of your new businesses. And you mentioned in that video that you had gotten to a point that I think is very relatable with Clean Corp, which is you had plateaued in the most stubborn way is the verbiage that you used. And when you said that, I was like, oh my gosh, that feeling is so frustrating. I could really relate to it. How did you guys overcome that point in your business from both a mental perspective and in terms of tactics that you used? Yeah, I think that, um, well, that when we realized that we just weren't going anywhere, like we were just, we were, we were, we were like on a, on a treadmill, we were just staying there. We knew that we had to change things big time and we, you know, what was working all, all of a sudden wasn't working. And so that was when we just figured, okay, let's be all in. Let's, let's have that complete mindset of 90% of what we do every day has got to be marketing in some way, in some shape, in some form. And we, we really, we really turned, we, we looked inward for that because we have, if you think about it, we have a very big sales force. We now have about 150 people working for us. So we started to talk to the people working for us and said, okay, well, we, we need to grow. And, and when we grow, that means you benefit. And 
we we had this brains trust of people that were on the ground that were in the in clients offices every day how you know and we we said to them how can we serve our clients better and i think when we started to really think about how can we serve them better rather than making money, rather than growing the business? And, I mean, those things are extremely important when you're running a business. But if we, if we focused on what, we, what our end result was, which was serving our clients, then the money would come. And that's what we started to do. So we started to make sure that we had, if you like, a net under every single thing that we did that would support that marketing effort, that would support the messaging that we wanted to share with the world about our business and who we were and what we did. And when once we did that, it really started to lift and change. And profit, can't, like you can't get profit without sales. And sales is 100% of profit. So it's just, you know, once you get that mindset and understand that, I think it's easier to shift your business forward. And if you don't have the skills to do it, because not everyone has marketing, um, you know, not everyone's done marketing, get someone who can help you with your marketing, who can help push you forward. Or what I did a lot of the time was model what's working for other people. So look at someone who's really successful in your industry and you can you can reach out to them. You could buy an hour of their time, or um, or just you know buy their product or buy their service, or you know just just interact and find out how they're doing it, what they're doing, and then and then model that. And I think also you're right. Not everyone has the marketing gene, but I think it does get a lot easier when you're able to talk to people who are talking to your customer. A lot of times, your customer they'll they're telling you exactly what they want. You just have to pick out that message, and if it's whether that's talking to your salespeople, for us that's talking to our support team, Robert and Dylan, who basically all of our customers know by first name because they have so much contact with them, That yeah. they're a great source of understanding what our customers want for us, and that's shaped a ton of our marketing. Being able to tap into their knowledge, I think, has been huge. Yeah, and listening. I think that that's so important that when you're, when, when you're talking to a prospect or when you're talking to a client listening to them like not being be the person who doesn't speak as much um let them tell you what it is that they need and ask questions that are sort of open-ended so you can get more information you can dig a little deeper um in order to ascertain what it is that they need and and then and then give it to them (laughs) there you go (laughs) just give it to them that's the trick (laughs) that's the trick (laughs) Another thing that I've heard you say is that, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, which is some of the biggest problems with marketing is that your prospects simply aren't ready to buy and you stop your efforts there. What are some things that you've done to combat that? Of course, one is the campaign that you have that goes out after 12 months, but is there anything else? Everything we do, everything is focused on on that fact. So the follow-up is so important. And this is where a lot of business owners really get it wrong because um, there's, a, there's a few reasons why they get it wrong. First is they don't know how to follow up correctly or they, don't, or they feel embarrassed like, oh, well, I've already called them twice and, you know, I, nothing's happened. Um, that's another one. So fear is another one. Um, and, and the third is that they are just overwhelmed. I mean, they're busy, they're running a business and they're, they're kind of focusing on getting sales and prospects into their funnel, but they're not thinking about all those people that, is th- that are at that time in their funnel are prospects 
um, for the future. So for um, you know for for us, we we wanted to have a follow up system and process in place everywhere. Everything you do has to be followed up. So we came up with a, like ours is a twenty point follow up system, and when when I speak um, at events. I, I put this slide up on the um, on the screen, and there is always a, you know people are like photographing it, and oh my gosh, because when I talk about that, I say here's where most people go, and I, I will show them up to point three. Most people will go to three. The really good um, follow up, you know, companies who do follow up will maybe go to point five, but they won't go any further than that. And I, I have I have the proof that having a system with 20 different um, follow-up points and it's you know it's low touch it's not salesy pushy spammy it's not like that and and that's I, I think that's the key is getting that messaging right and understanding that what your what your prospects going through on a daily basis is they're really busy they are so busy and it's not about you again it's about them so I, I look at it as sort of a PSA, if you like. It's like, hey, remember me? You were, bit, you know, is your cleaning still rubbish? Are your, you know, are you, are you, have you still got a dirty office? That kind of thing. So that um, it's just putting it in front of them. And one of the ways that we came up with that system was, I, I looked at how I purchase things, and I don't know about you, Ariel, but when I buy things, I, I go, okay, I want this thing. And I'll, the first thing I'll do is I'll research it. I'll go into Google. I'll have a look. I'll check it out. And I might even sign up for a few things and what have you. And then I do nothing. And I always do that. <laughs> I always do that. And, and I realize that, well, if I'm doing it, there must be millions of other people out there that buy the same way. And so I, I just kind of, I just tried to mirror um, for, our, for our prospects what I did and I just mirrored it for them and then just made little tweaks and changes along the way in order to um, try and match it as closely as possible. And, and you know, that that's really, it's really worked for CleanCorp and it, it will work for any business. It, it doesn't matter if you're bricks and mortar, online, it just doesn't matter. You have to follow up because the, your competition are not following up. They, they're kind of lazy. They don't know how to do this stuff. And so if you're the one that's out there and standing out and um, presenting, you know, the great solution, you will be the one that wins the business in the end. I love that. And I think it's fantastic. You're right. I mean, when I do look at my own buying habits, and I think this is reflected for most people, I do so much research to buy the smallest thing. Like, it's ridiculous. And a lot of times I do kind of end up getting in choice paralysis to a certain extent, and then I kind of forget about it. But you're right, yeah. those people that tend to get back with me time and time again, that's ultimately where my attention goes. Because after a certain amount of time, all the competition drops out and there's only one competitor left. And that's how the exactly. decision's made. Exactly. And, and over that period of time that you've been doing all that beautiful follow-up, you've been able to forge a relationship with them. They've been able to maybe see you on a video or they've, they've heard you, you know, in, in what you've written to them. So you've built up that, you know, that know, like, and trust that is like the holy grail for marketers and for businesses everywhere. Having a prospect who know, likes, and trusts you and then makes that phone call or says, you know, could you give me a quote? They're, 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 so, they're so qualified to buy from you because they they know you and it's a much easier sale and, um, and and it often forms a much better bond like between client and business because you've had that that 
lovely period where you've been able to, if, if you like, indoctrinate them a little bit about you and educate them along the way and not be spammy or salesy or anything like that. I, I think that it's, it's a real, um, in, you know, these days it's a real no-no to be kind of uh, hammering your sales message day and night. It's much, much nicer to just be having a really cool conversation with them and, and, and view each opportunity to do that as, you know, one step closer to the objective, which is to serve your clients better. So yeah, that's how we like to do it. Definitely. And I'm wondering, you're right, but this cool conversation that we all kind of want to have in the know, like, and trust, it takes a while. How did you at first overcome that and have patience? Because I think personally, that's one of the hardest things to have. Oh yeah, definitely. And it, it really did take, a, it took a lot of um, trial and error because the, the first campaigns that I did, I, I was able to get such quick, um, if you like, emotional ROI. And I needed that as a marketer. <laughs> I needed the emotional ROI of, hey, what I did was successful. But you have to put that into context because that was back in 2007, 2008. And the internet was very different to the way it is today. So it was much, much easier to cut through and and, you know, um, look different. Today, that has changed so much. I mean, people are a lot savvier. That, like you said just before, you you do unbelievable research for the tiniest little thing. So I think it's really, it's, it's a matter of look, try, and learn. You have to look at what's working for other people, try it out on your prospects, and learn. If it's not working, where is it like where is your click through rate falling down so is that message not hitting the mark is it not punchy enough or sticky enough how can you improve on that so i i i don't believe in a set and forget i think that when it comes to marketing it's a constant and it's an ever going um you know um thing that you have to be working on and an evolution and you need to be watching the market definitely you need to be watching what's cool and new and happening in, on the internet and then trying out those things a little at a time to see if that's going to get you a higher click-through rate or a higher conversion rate or more sales. And, and that's really the only thing that you can do. You have to be on, on top of that all the time and watching it and monitoring it. Yeah, definitely. And I love what you're saying about emotional ROI. I think when you don't feel 100% confident in something, <laughs> it's easy to want those quick wins to sort of give you a moment to pat yourself on the back. Like, okay, at least I have some <laughs> grasp of what's going on here. Clearly, if this one person responded to my email, but you're right, it's really over time, you have to see what's working. And you can't just rely on those little bits of like endorphin high to know what's working or not. It's all about click through rates and some of those more detailed things. Exactly. And I think that as you as you mature as um, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, your needs change too. And the way that you want to present yourself and your your business to the world, they change too because you're being influenced by people and businesses all over the world. So I know that when I travel, I really, I really have my um, reticular activating system working. So I, I've, I'm really watching. I am watching what's going on. I'm taking notes. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at things that hit me, that make me feel something. And I think, okay, that could work for me. That I like that. I like that idea. And then I develop that idea in my own words and and in my own way. And um, and and then I'll try it out. But you, you really have to be of that mindset that 
you never will know it all. <laughs> you never will be, um, uh, you know, at that at that point where you can afford to stop learning. It's it's a constant and ongoing thing, and and it's a thrill. I find it thrilling to learn something new that I put into the business, and then it works. Um, and that's that emotional. That's where I really get the emotional ROI. You know, it's like wow, that's that's awesome. So looking for those things are, um, you know, should become part of your day, really part of your day. And I think you're so right. This is kind of what I was getting at. I think when I was talking about best practices earlier, which is when you just absolutely overload your brain with these best practices, you kind of get very focused on what can I be doing that's right. You're not focusing mm -hmm. on what's going to make a real emotional connection. What has connected with me recently that I think will also work for my audience and in my own way. You just kind of get obsessed with the facts. And I know that's something I've struggled with. So I love hearing you say that because it's something that is always worth refocusing on. Oh, de definitely. And and I really believe that that's an area that, that you can work on your business immediately and get immediate results if you just do that. If that's all you do, if you just do that, you can start to see really quick results because when you're talking about um, especially, and again, if I could talk about the cleaning industry, look, it's not sexy, it's not social, it's no one cares. Um, the only people that care about the cleaning industry are people like me in the cleaning industry, right? So understand that and and make it if you're if you're in an industry that is kind of like that, and you know I, I could name a few industries, but I don't want to name and shame. <laughs> but if you're in an industry like that, like be cool with it. Just own that and go. Okay, nobody actually cares. So it's it's like you know that that story about um, the drill bit. People don't want the drill bit; they just want the hole. It's exactly the same thing. It's exactly the same thing. They don't want a cleaning contract. They just want a clean house or a clean home. Uh, sorry, a clean business. If you just think about that, how much easier is it to market? when you understand that rather than going my cleaning business is this or my plumbing business is that or if you if you're just telling them about that they don't care they've switched off they've moved on like i mean our prospects across the world on the internet certainly have a 9 second um, attention span you've got 9 seconds to grab their attention and if you're just talking about you you will lose them and that will be your opportunity lost so be the person who is way more interesting, talking about something maybe that's dull, but more interesting and just, you know, talk about their problem. Get it out there. Be open with it. I mean, some of my copy on our website has been super funny, like really funny. And the reason for that is that I wanted to test out if I put um, uh, we did one, <laughs> we did one which was I did a split test across um, a few different copies and one of them was, you know, we'll get your desk so clean you'll want to lick it. Now, <laughs> Love it. <laughs> now, I mean, that is not traditional cleaning industry speak. Um, we got an unbelievable conversion rate only and the, look, the only reason, I know the only reason was because it's different. It's a little bit like, really? What? What is, I've got to see more about this company. So try and um, try and think outside the square and, and really shake it up a little bit and, and just know that, um, you know, if you can stand out in a field of, um, you know, certainly in our industry, millions of people, uh, you are going to be way ahead of the game, way ahead of the game. And then if you've got systems and processes in there to support what you do, 
you'll be unbeatable. You really, yeah, you'll have that. You'll have your industry, your niche, and you will know exactly how to talk to them and work with them and, and, and close them and turn them into clients. Once again, that was entrepreneur Lisa McQueen, who co-founded Clean Corp and Cleaning Marketer. If you'd like to hear more marketing insights from Lisa, visit her website, cleaningmarketer.com. You can also find her on Twitter, at cleaningmarketer, marketer spelled M-K-T-R. And as always, we'd love it if you'd tweet us at Arielle Hurst or at PureChat. And check out blog.purechat.com for other actionable small business advice. If you enjoyed today's episode, please feel free to rate the Small Biz Chat Podcast on iTunes. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to having you tune in for our next Small Biz Chat.